Well, hi, I'm Nancy, and I am very excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us for our grand opening. And we're going to start a series today called Live Your Vision. And it's something that I am very passionate about. And in this series, my goal is to help you all get an opportunity to get a clearer vision for your lives as well as how to get there. And I hope to get you excited about having a vision as well. Have you ever noticed that you don't have to really raise hands, but I want to ask you the question, how often do you think about vision for your life? Probably not as often as, you know, like you go, wow, what do you mean? Vision? What's the last time I thought of something like that? Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about what is vision and why it's significant to have one. Vision, if you think about it, is a picture of the possibilities for your life, if you think about that right now. It's a picture of the possibilities as well as your purpose lived out. It's, a, it's an image, vision, it's like seeing something, vision, seeing, and having an image of where you want to go. And so vision inspires us, it gives us direction, and it helps us map out things in life. And if you notice, without a vision in life and looking at where you want to go, you know, you have to have a destination in mind to map a route, right? You know, otherwise, if you don't have a destination, you just sort of trout, dr drive around in circles. <laughs> Maybe a little casual drive in the country or something for fun. I don't know. But actually, we have a, if you think about it, life is so short. Life is what, you know, 80, 90 years, something like that. It goes by in a blink of an eye. Trust me, I'm in my 50s. It goes by very quickly. And because we only have one life, we want it to count for something that really matters and that matters that makes life meaningful. Otherwise, what happens if we don't have a vision or direction where we want to go? What our lives wind up, we spend all, all of our time kind of going in circles, focusing on what's in front of us. Have you ever noticed that? It's really easy for days and days to just go by focusing on what whatever other people might throw in our face, not even where we want to go or what we want to focus on, but it's really easy, as Jim Rowan used to say, people major in minor things. It's really easy to have our whole lives go by and spend it on things that are insignificant or don't really matter. And so that's why having a vision is really important. So if it hasn't been something that you've thought a whole lot about, in this series, we're going to be walking you through steps that will help you to get clearer about that is because we want to have a clear vision in front of us that inspires us, as well as the fact that we're going to be talking about how to get there. I want to, um, oh, actually, can we put up the little chart? We have a little chart. I just thought that this would be a little appropriate thing. We've got, see, there's happy dogs up there. That's the vision. <laughs> That's the ideal, and here we've got time in our lives, and then we have a little sad puppy there. That's, uh, and then we have sort of mediocre in the middle. So a lot of times our lives kind of go in the middle line, right? Mediocre, kind of blah, 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 you know, majoring in minor things. And then, but sometimes things, you know, we're going to actually talk about a story uh, in the book of Exodus where people were kind of below the mediocre place in their lives where they were stuck in slavery and in bondage, the children of Israel. And oftentimes, this is what it looks like as far as if we don't have a vision. Oh, look, you can see my finger. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't even need a pointer. I can just do this. So you can kind of see this is where our lives go. Loop, 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 and not really go any place without a destination in mind. So we want to get a picture of where we want to be in our lives, like the ideal, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want it to look like? So we don't do the little circle things. And sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed the circles. You ever felt like you're going in circles? Sometimes the circles turn into circles. And it just becomes a whole bunch of confusion where you're going in circles and that goes in circles and kind of not really heading anywhere. So that's not what we want. And so that's why we want a vision of we, what we want our lives to look like and to keep us on track and... Uh, it gives us direction, it helps keeps us focused, it inspires us, it gives us meaning, and it helps us to prioritize what we do with our time and talents. So that's why it's a big deal. Now, <clears throat> let's go to um, Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be reading in there. Have you ever thought to what holds you back from having a vision? What are the things that get in the way, if you think about it right now? I know for me, I had a lot of fear. There was a lot of, I'm in my 50s, and I'm a, kind of a late bloomer in some ways. You know, I spent most of my life being afraid to have a vision because I was afraid of failing, because I was afraid that there wasn't, I was just insecure, actually. You know, it was just sort of, I actually took a lot of pride. I own a business, too, and um, that's my, you know, day job thing. This is volunteer. Um, and I took a lot of pride in the fact that my business happened accidentally, you know, and I thought, oh, that's great. It just kind of came about by accident, and I didn't really think it through. And I used to be really proud of that, but I, I found out later in life that what was really going on is I was too afraid to have a vision of where it would go for fear that I wasn't enough or wasn't able to hit that vision or that I didn't know how to get there. And now I'm becoming more aware as visions become more significant, and that's why I'm excited to kind of pass on some of the things that I've learned and discovered is that it's actually held me back from being all that God called me to be. And that really makes me sad. So I'm going to make up for it in these later years with every ounce in my being. And I want to help you guys to do that too. And uh, hopefully some of you can get started a little younger than I did on it. So, um, because I really believe that God wants to take every single person here. Next week, we're going to talk about getting clearer about your purpose and your gifts and your talents. That's what we'll be talking about next week. But that's what vision is. You each have a purpose that's unique and special and amazing. God's given you one-of-a-kind abilities and talents, and no one else is like you. From your experience, your talents, your gifts, all of those things that are your purpose in life. And, you, you're, you know, nobody can take your place. And so vision is where you're going to fulfill your purpose and what the picture looks like of fulfilling your purpose. So we're going to take a look at some examples of what it looks like to lose vision as well as what happens, you know, the other way around. In Exodus chapter 7, you know the story about Moses and the children of Israel. They were where the sad puppies were in the, in the chart. Uh, they were actually worse than that because they were in slavery. You saw the cartoons. They were making bricks, and they were hundreds of years they were enslaved, and they were being beaten, told, make bricks, make more bricks, make them without straw, etc. So sometimes when you're in that place where 
it looks like nothing's going well and everything's going against you and everything's getting heaped on top of you. Sometimes we're, we felt, you know, there are times in life, I know for me, that it felt like slavery. You know, where you can't win, where it feels like nothing. You ever felt like that? Just piles and piles, like the world just keeps hitting you with things. And sometimes the vision is, like it was probably in the children of Israel, is help me just to not make as many bricks. That would look like a great life. God, just help them. You know, if only I didn't have to make as many bricks, life would look peachy keen and wonderful. It was pretty bad. About as bad as it can get. And so God sent Moses to be his rep, and we're going to read in Exodus 3 and verse 7, it said, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pesachites, blah, blah, blah. Okay, in verse 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I want to tell you that God sees whatever is, is your struggles right now. God sees your sorrows. God sees the oppression. God sees the things that are going against you and wants to take you to a new place. God has a promised land for every single person of where he wants to take you. And it's a much bigger vision that you probably have for yourself. I think rarely do people see the vision for their lives as big as God sees it. I'm thinking the children of Israel would have really been happy making a few less bricks. That was their vision. Sometimes that's where our vision is. God has way bigger. He says he wanted to take them into the promised land of milk and honey. Now, what is that? Maybe you're not thinking that sounds like the most exciting thing in the world, milk and honey. But what it represents is a good life. Milk and honey represented things you, that just came and you didn't have to work for. You know, that there was like, you didn't have to harvest, etc. It was a fat life. You know, good, fat. That kind of fat. <laughs> so anyway, so God wants to take them from slavery, like as bad as it gets, to the land easy street of milk and honey. And so I mean to tell you that that's God's plan for every single one of us. Wherever you're at right now, if you're below the middle line, you know, feeling the oppression and weighed down and burdened down or stressed, or maybe you're just coasting, wherever it might be, God wants to take you to the land of milk and honey, the promised land. He's got a promised land for each and every one of us. So let's take a look. Um, Now, you know the story, what happens. So God says he sees that, he wants to take them, take them there. And then you know from the movie what happens. Moses shows up, says, let my people go, God said. And there's plagues. And then they're free after all of this. So you'd think they'd be saying, hallelujah, praise God. Hundreds of years of slavery, woo! Who would have thought it? I am free. You'd think they'd be very excited. And then, of course, mind you, talk about how God takes care of them. He sends a pillar of fire by night, 
and a cloud by day so that they won't get a little hot during the day from the sun. This is how God works. Talk about spoiling luck. Can you imagine? They come out of slavery. This is how God takes care of his people. They sent a cloud over them so they're walking, they wouldn't get sunburned when they're walking, you know, out of Egypt. That's pretty hookup, wouldn't you say? That's a hookup. And a pillar of fire to have light to walk by night. That's how God hooked them up. You'd think there'd be celebrating going on. Not so much. So let's take a look at Exodus 14. So they're walking, you know, walking with the fire in the cloud. And Exodus 14 and verse 10, it says, When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wow. They just got set free, and all that's happened at this point, nothing's happened. Pharaoh chases them. So they're going, so soon, talk about losing sight of a vision fast. Nothing's happened. Pharaoh hasn't done anything. Pharaoh just is behind them. And they're saying, oh, you brought us here because there weren't enough graves that we could die in Egypt. Wow. Talk about looking at the bad side of things. Sometimes God is working mightily in our lives and we don't see it. God is wanting to take us someplace. He's moving us someplace. He's working and freeing us. And we're just looking at things that scare us. And forgetting what God promises. So it says, um, why have you dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is, is this not the word that we have told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we might serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Come on, you saw the cartoons. They were getting whipped. Make bricks, no straw. And they're going, oh, we would have been better off there in slavery. It sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Sometimes that's what's happening when God's trying to take us someplace and slavery that he's trying to bring us out of feels more comfortable when we want to go back to it. Somehow we glorify the slavery like it was awesome. It says, um, verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And we know how that turned out. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Then we see they saw the parting of the Red Sea, which is kind of a big deal. Anybody think that if you saw that, you'd never forget it and trust God forever? <laughs> You've told yourself that, right? <laughs> but how many times have you seen God do something amazing in your life and forget it like in a blink of an eye? I have. I've seen miracles galore and 10 minutes later forgot and all, all of a sudden worried about whatever else is in front of my face. Well, that's, you know, what happened with them too. They part the Red Sea. In Exodus 16 and verse 2, it says, Then the whole congregation of, the, of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. This is right after the Dead Sea. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat down, where we sat by pots of meat, and when we ate, bread to the full. They did not eat pots of meat and bread to the full. They're getting whipped and beaten and 
this is not reality, but have, have, can you relate to this at all that sometimes wherever the garbage is that God brought you out of, all of a sudden sounds great when you're in the middle of him taking, because change is uncomfortable. The path of taking you from whatever garbage that we're stuck in to where God's taking us to freedom, the middle gr ground is always uncomfortable because it represents change. Change is never, you know, is always going to be scary and uncomfortable. So what they're doing is glorifying the hell that they came out of as if it's awesome. Kind of, you know, twisting things around. It's not reality at all. It says, you brought us into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. So again, they keep losing sight. God took them. They've seen already God work some things, but they keep losing sight of what God promised and how he's taking them. They lose sight of what God's already done in their lives as far as how he's touched them and how he's changed. You know, I mean, gosh, he did some amazing things. They're just on the path. And the thing is, is that being on the path, you don't always see everything so clearly, so you have to have the vision in store. You know, because where God takes us is a journey. It's not like in a blink of an eye that things happen often where God's taking us, especially things that are really good and worthwhile sometimes take time. So let's go. So anyway, what happens, uh, you know, you know the movie, so we're not covering all that stuff. So 40 days, Moses goes talk to God. They lost the vision again and start <laughs> making a calf and uh, worshiping it. And they were just impatient, not trusting God. And part of this is you've got to stay on the path when God's taking you someplace and trust that, that it's all worth it. In Numbers 13 and verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Oh, so here they go. Uh, sorry, so uh, after they get all through that, you know, where they were in Egypt to the promised land was only 300 miles. So it should have only taken them less than three months to get there. So they walk from Egypt and they're there right at the promised land, right about where land of milk and honey, you know, fat life, right there at the border. And what happens? The people are afraid and they decide they got to send spies out to make sure that they can uh, go there. In Numbers 13 and verse 1 and 2, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Eat from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So they're exploring the land. And in verse 23, when, then they came to the uh, land of Eshcol, and they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. That's some big grapes. What do grapes look like? Usually grapes about this big. They have grapes it takes two men to carry on a pole. So this is a, this is a good place to live. Plenty of food. This is rich. This is like as good as it gets. And then it says... They also brought some pomegranates and figs. And in verse 26, it says, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kedish. And they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is, it for, it's, is its fruit. In verse 28, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And in verse 30, it said, 
Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report for the land they spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Have you ever heard of a land like that? I I, I don't know exactly. Like, the land devours the people that live there. Wow. Could there be a little fear here, perhaps? And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Then we saw the giants. So the people are giants that live there, apparently. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now, this is not reality. This is fear. How often do the situations that seem like obstacles for living our vision seem so enormous and insurmountable because we just made it up that way in our brain? If God's trying to take you something, God has the power to help you make it happen. God is bigger. I don't care how small you are. If you have a vision and God's taking you there, God Almighty is big enough to bring it to pass. We don't want to lose sight of that. If God's in it, he's able to do it for you. So we don't want to have fear overtake us like this and lose sight of what he has promised. They aren't giants. It's not even reality. And so it's also, I mean, we've all done this too, where we've let negative circumstances and all of a sudden we blow it out of proportion because of fear. That's not even reality. That's what's going on here. Numbers 14 and verse 1, it says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better to return to Egypt? Then they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephnah, were among those that spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So here they are. They were right there in the promised land. They could take it. God promised it. Their lives could be immediately turned around from slavery to live in a land where everything was plenty, where they had all they could wish for and more. They were right there, but fear stopped them. You know, the only people that went into the promised land of those people were Joshua and Caleb because they kept the vision of where God was taking them. We have free will. God wants to take us there, but it's still our decision whether we want to say yes to God and where he wants to lead us or not. God's got bigger things in store. 
You know, I don't want to miss out. Do you? You know, like, I think, like, in this, it's just whatever you're thinking, God's got bigger things in store for you as far as what's possible for each and every one of our lives. But it's just up to letting him in and inviting him into the journey of that. It reminds me when they were right up to the border of the promised land. You know that little cartoon where the guy's like picking through the underground? You've seen a little cartoon. And then there's like a little edge, and then he gives up and turns back, and you're like, oh, you were right there. It's kind of like that. (laughs) You know? They were right there. It only should have, it was 300 miles. They were right on the border, but they wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness. And it's not because God punished them. It's just that they had so much fear God couldn't take them where he wanted to take them. And he didn't want them to die trying because their lack of faith and trust in God. So basically they did what we saw in the drawing of wandering around in circles in this wilderness. Just wandering around, wandering around, going no place. Just circle, 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 circles, going no place in the wilderness instead of the promised land that was right there. So that's what I'm excited about in this series because I've definitely seen that evidenced in my life. There are many years of my life that that's what it looked like. I spent many years of my life where God wanted to take me someplace, but I was afraid and I was unwilling and not trusting God and didn't get that it was even possible that I wandered around in the desert like the children of Israel did, going no place. But no matter where you're at right now, you can say yes to God. You can say yes to getting clearer. And in this series, each step of the way, the goal is to help you to get clearer about what the vision is. Because if anybody a little cloudy on your vision right now, that's okay. Maybe you haven't really thought about it that much. That's okay. You know, it is possible for God to help clarify that vision for you. And in this, also help you walk it out and get there because, you know, we want to do both. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness. I love that you see our lives bigger than we see ourselves. I feel grateful for that. I feel sad, God, for the years that I know that I, I lost because I didn't trust you in, in that part of my life. But I'm glad that every day we can make a different choice for you. Every day we can say yes and turn things around. And it's never too late, God, that you are able to redeem. So I just pray right now for the opportunity that people can open their hearts a little bit this week in seeking you out about having a clearer vision for their lives. That just get a glimmer of saying, yes, Lord, I want to see what you see for me, what's possible in my life that we can put you in our lives in a way and invite you into this process of helping us with what our purpose is and how we can live it out. So I thank you for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.